What's up, guys? This is PC, and this is your backstage pass to the Green Room Podcast Series. What's up, guys? This is PC. You're listening to the Green Room Podcast Series. Our guest today is Elizabeth King, who serves as the Professional Learning Coordinator with an emphasis on secondary support for digital learning in the Humble ISD in Humble, Texas, just outside of Houston. Elizabeth, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing awesome, and thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Well, let's just jump right into this thing here and let's talk a little bit about your history and your experience in education and how you got to where you are today. Okay, so um, I taught English for the first 11 years that I was in education. I've taught 8th grade, 10th grade, and 11th grade and I loved all three grade levels. And then um, a few years back, I decided I was going to pursue my education further, and I went back and got my master's degree. And I had a couple of options with that. I could have just gone straight admin route, or I could choose an educational technology with principal certification route. And I thought, well, I can get the best of both worlds there, and I really loved integrating technology in my classroom, so I got my master's in that. And then I was very, very fortunate to be able to move into a district-level position about five years ago in Humble. And I started out here as a specialist, servicing all of the middle school and high school English instructional coaches and teachers. And I got to write curriculum and deliver professional development for them. And then I was able to move into a digital learning specialist role, working with all content areas and mostly middle school and high school again, because that's my background. And then, so this is my second year as a professional learning coordinator, but I primarily work with the digital integration. And again, my main focus is middle school and high school. Very cool. And so one of the questions I get asked all the time is, do you miss it? Like, do you miss the classroom at all? Absolutely. Uh, Without a doubt, we have this conversation on a daily basis because there are so many really cool tools out there to play with now and, and really neat devices that just weren't accessible when I was a classroom teacher. And so when I get to actually go onto a campus and work with a teacher and be in her classroom or his classroom and just watch the students using these tools, and then I also get to train on them too. I, I do. I get the itch sometimes to, right. you know, maybe I'll go back or, or whatever, but I, I feel like I have a greater impact where I am too, because I'm able to kind of spread that out more than being just isolated um, in one classroom. Sure. That makes perfect sense. And so a lot of the young people that I work with, and I'm sure that you've got the same stories as well, they struggle with that question of, what do I want to be when I grow up? How did you know that you wanted to work in the field of education? Oh my, well, I never wanted to. When I was growing up, my father used to tell me all the time, Elizabeth, you're going to be a teacher. And I'm like, there is no way I'm going to be a teacher. They don't make enough money. That was just my stance on being an educator. And I loved school. I was really good at school. And my first major in college, what I really wanted to do was broadcast journalism. I wanted to do the news and be on um, TV (laughs) doing news. (laughs) And that just, for whatever reason, you know, didn't pan out for me. And it wasn't until I had a child of my own. and 
after I was married, had my, my daughter, I went back to school because I hadn't finished my, my undergrad, went back to school, and I was struggling with what to do that would best meet the needs of my family and also be something I would be passionate about. So I remembered what my dad said about the teaching thing, and I went ahead and majored in English. But during the time I was going back to school, I substitute taught in my local school district. And I absolutely fell in love with it. I loved the students. I loved the challenge that teaching brought. I loved all the different personalities. It was just an amazing time. So I just knew that was where I was supposed to be. And so I just became, I was still an English major, but I went ahead and got my, um, my certification to teach. Yeah, and that's awesome. And I love what you said there about substitute teaching because I think that's something that every educator should have to do at some point in their life because I, I was the same way. I served as a substitute for about a year. And just the things that you learn through subbing, like it's such a different world than having your own classroom, right? And the challenges that you learn to overcome. I just think that's like a like an invaluable experience that you can have as an educator to draw on. Oh, it really is because, I mean, you're just kind of thrust into – that environment and it's different from student teaching you don't have that that actual class teacher there alongside you you're by yourself and you have to draw on a lot of different experiences and different strategies to kind of make that work and if you're really passionate about it and what you're doing and want to be good at it you know then you just find you keep learning and so one of your main focuses is on technology and then the technology integration throughout your school system. Talk a little bit about what that entails and your strategy for ensuring that, that you know, all these technological resources are scalable throughout your district. Yeah, it's a huge challenge, especially because our district is very large. We have 43 campuses, 28 of those are elementary schools, and the rest of them are middle school and high schools. We have about 44,000 students. And we have an amazing curriculum and instruction department with a lot of content-specific specialists and coordinators who write curriculum and deliver PD, and PD that is really engaging for teachers. And then we have a digital learning department that is also under curriculum instruction. And our department in digital learning is very small. We actually, right now, at the moment, we only have two people that are designated in digital learning. We have an elementary person, that's Kim Bells, and then I, I focus on secondary, middle school, and high school. This is the two of us in this very large district. So what we did was, uh, it wasn't just us, just not, not just Kim and I, it was a lot of, of people in our, our department. We started this, this group called TOOLS, it's Technology Infusion Leadership Team, made up of teachers from all the campuses. And we come together and we meet with them five or six times a year. We're sharing, we're collaborating, we're coaching them, we're helping them to be equipped to go back to their campuses, not only use what they've learned from our meetings, but to go back and share that with their campuses to grow the people there as well. So they're like our boots on the ground. Now, as far as making things equitable and kind of spreading that out across the district, I mean, you know, it's tough. We are not a one-to-one -one district. We've, we're fortunate our tech service department is, is awesome, and, and they provide a lot of resources to campuses to purchase the devices that they need, and they can actually choose what devices they want. And we're pretty heavy in Chromebooks, and um, 
I mean, down the road one day, maybe we will be one-to-one, -one, but right now we're not. So again, that is a challenge. So those members of that group, they really do help us with taking back different strategies that the, the campuses can use to meet, to meet those challenges. For sure. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. And so when we're talking about technology, I think one of the most intimidating things for a lot of people um, is how fast it changes, right? There's constantly a new mm -hmm. update or a new product that's coming out that outdoes the previous technology. And so how do you stay current on what's coming down the pipe? No, you're absolutely right. It's impossible to keep up with all of it. Um, we think about it all the time, and you, you just said it a second ago, as soon, as soon as one cool tool comes out, another one bigger and better replaces it. Some of the tools are free, some are not free. And as we stated before, you know, teachers don't make a ton of money. And to ask them to purchase things that are not free to use in their classroom, it's, you know, it's, that's a bit much to, to ask. So we try to provide as many free resources to them as possible and vet them first so we know that they're, they're going to be around a while. They're kind of tried and true. We do a lot of research on that. So the way we say current, we do that in a multiple ways. We're fortunate to not be in a classroom so we can do a lot of research, you know, just Googling things, obviously. But we do follow people. We read a lot of blogs. We follow a lot of people on Twitter. We attend a lot of conferences that are very tech, educational technology focus, sure. which always brings new information to us. We even go visit vendors, you know, in the ex expo halls of these conferences, too, and we have conversations with them, and we, we come back and we talk to our leaders and say, hey, this would be really cool, and and, the per and provide the purpose for, for what it would um, serve. So that's kind of what we do, just a variety of things. Sure, sure. And so for a veteran teacher or even a middle-aged teacher like myself that, you know, I wasn't privy to having access to a lot of the technology that's available today in the classroom, the smart boards and the things like that. What can we do to stay current and to best utilize the technological resources that are available now? Well, you have to try. I think that's the first step. You can't be afraid of technology. I, I tell people all the time in, in our our trainings, no keys, you can't break it early. Um, just, it, the best thing to do is just to go ahead and, and take a step and just try one thing, choose one thing that kind of catches your attention or you think might engage your students a little bit or make them want to learn whatever it is that you're trying to teach in the classroom. And then I'm a strong believer in just pairing up with someone that you know on your campus that you see they're trying these things and they're doing them and they seem to be successful at it and asking them, hey, what are you doing? And maybe go in and observe their classroom and see how they do it. And of course, we've said it before, and I think we'll, I'll probably mention some of this a little later too, but getting on Twitter, man, there's so many resources on Twitter. It's just a really great, great uh, way to, to find new and cool things to use in your classroom. No doubt. No doubt. And I think you kind of hinted along there. It, you have to be willing to take some risks and to take some chances. And sometimes you're going to fail and that's OK. And I think, you know, a lot of times with technology and social media, and I think that's a lot of times what educators I know, like, you know, there were times that I was afraid to fail. But I think you have to be willing to take those chances. And I think another thing, too, is a lot of times our kids are experts on some of these things. Social media, for a great example. 
And so I always tell educators, if you don't know how to use it, ask your kids, right? Like they're more than happy to help you out and, and walk you through those learning process. Absolutely. I'm glad you actually brought up students because I always like to talk about, about them too because we have that tilt group, right? There are teachers and some of them are media specialists and some of them are instructional technologists on their campus. But we also bring in students during the summer and we do like a student showcase where they come in and they train teachers in our district. And then they also show a, prod, a product that they've created using that particular tool and we call it student showcase. And one thing that I hope down the road, maybe next year, I'm hoping it'll be next year, that we add another layer of tilt with students being involved with it. And we kind of joked around a little bit about what we would call it, and it just kind of makes sense to call it STILT, because it's Student Technology Infusion Leadership Team. Yeah. And it just will elevate the learning and give those students a, a, a voice and empower them to do even greater things. No doubt. No doubt. And they're so advanced. That's the thing. Like, my son is nine, mm -hmm. and he actually just yesterday launched a YouTube channel. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, you know, like when I was nine, I, I was outside playing with Tonga trucks and stuff, you know, and just like riding a bike around. Right. And, you know, even as a young, probably three years old, you know, he's flipping through the phones and the iPads and stuff. And it's just it's amazing how much they know. And a lot of times I just think we need to open our eyes as adults and realize like the kids a lot of times are already experts on some of these things that we're talking about. And so. Let's keep going here. And so let's say that I'm an administrator, I'm a department chair, you know, whatever the case may be. I've got a veteran educator in my building that is just adamant that they don't understand how to use technology. They have no interest in learning how to use it. What approaches have you seen that have helped in breaking down those walls for those veteran educators? They need examples. They need to see how it's relevant to what they teach. And they actually need to see um, the impact that it has on student learning. Just forcing them to go to a training or sit through a PD session isn't enough. They have to actually see evidence that it's going to change something that they've done for the better and then also change something that the students, um, a way that the students are doing it as well. I think a lot of times other teachers and peers are the best ones to kind of help with that because they they are already in the classroom themselves. And then again, we went, we said it earlier, just having them pick one thing. If they can just get excited about one thing and, and being a professional learning coordinator and instructional coach for the district for five years now here in Humble, I've seen this a lot. And sure. it's really neat to see the light come on for some of the teachers. Sometimes if you give them too much at once, it's overwhelming. And sometimes the resistance is not because they're so anti-technology, because I bet all of them have a smartphone. All of them use a computer to some degree. So it's not really this, oh, I don't like technology at all. I think there's just some misunderstanding of how to keep the students on task and doing what they're supposed to do, making sure that they don't go off on other sites they're not supposed to be on, and also, um, just their their fear of the unknown, maybe. Sure. That they don't. They're not the expert on it, so I can't do it because I'm not an expert on it. But what they don't understand is what you said earlier. They just need to know a little bit, and the the kids will take over. It, it's amazing how that happens. 
No doubt. Just kind of have to baby, baby step with it and just encourage them to try just one thing. I love that. I love that. That's a great answer. And so on the flip side of that question, can an educator be too dependent on technology? And then like, how do you know, like, what's the right mix? What's the right balance of technology to use in my classroom? Oh, 100%. And I see this too all the time. And you'll also hear people, um, especially with our tilt program, we'll have people say, oh, this person would be really great in tilt because they use technology all the time. It's really not about that. It's about understanding which tool to use at which time and for the purpose. And it always should be about the learning. So our focus is on the learning outcome, and we choose a tool based on that. Well, how do we know what tool is the best tool? Well, first, you've got to get to know your kids because they all have different learning styles. I'm not going to stick every kid in front of a computer or a mobile device all day long, eight hours a day. That's crazy to think that. Right. Our students are collaborative. They're social. They need time that's built into the class period for opportunities to talk to each other and also have hands-on activities where they're actually using manipulatives that are not technology tools to make sense of the content. Um, another thing, we have a really um, awesome coordinator here in our district who works with our, our health and PE teachers, and she's done a lot of brain research and on the importance of movement. Kids need to get up and move, and it doesn't matter how old they are, K through 12, they need some movement going on. So the blended classroom environment is really the target. There needs to be a blend of different activities that appeal to all the different learning styles in that room. And it's, it's a challenge, um, but it can be done. Technology is just one piece, one piece of the puzzle. It's one vehicle to getting those students to where they need to be and that is to be um, ready to be adults, right? For sure. No, that makes perfect sense. And like you said, the different learning styles in the classroom, like I think that's the hardest part of learning to be a great teacher is learning how to adapt your teaching styles to hit all those different learning styles in your classroom. Because by nature, mm -hmm. we teach the way that we learn the best, right? But that's not always the same okay. case for our kids. And so, you know, you've got 30 kids in a classroom or 35 kids or 25, whatever. And it's like, how do we address all these different needs? So I, I love what you said there about, it's just a piece of what we're doing in the classroom. It can't be the end all be all of what we are as educators. Right. Absolutely. And so let's say I'm an educator, I'm listening to the podcast, and I've decided I want to integrate more technology into my classroom, but I have no idea, like, where do I start, right? What websites or, like, other resources would you suggest to them to check out that will benefit them in their classrooms? There are a lot of really great blogs out there on educational technology, um, but it can be overwhelming because there's just so much. And if you do a simple Google search, you're, you're going to come up with, with some things. I mean... A while back, I just Googled the top 10 educational technology blogs right now. And that was really cool because it just gave me a really concise list of 10. Some of the ones that I kind of go to uh, often are free technology for educators or for teachers. That's Richard Burns' blog. Matt Miller, Ditch That Textbook, is, is awesome. Man, he, he really offers a variety of digital tools, but he doesn't just tell you about the tool. He gives you specific examples of how you can use them in different content areas. So Ditch That Textbook, Matt Miller, it's a great blog to read. Shake Up Learning by Casey Bell is another really great one. The Cult of Pedagogy is good. 
HyperDocs is really hot right now, and there's a blog, um, the, the ladies who actually came up with the, the concept of the HyperDocs, they have their own blog and a lot of good resources on there. And then, of course, Edutopia. That's, that, that one's been around a long time, and yeah. I think it, it offers a lot of great resources. Yeah, sure. and that's just a few. I could go on and on. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's like you said. It's as simple as doing a Google search sometimes, and just like looking mm -hmm. up what it is that you're looking for. And so you guys do some super, super cool things in your district. I've seen, you know, with technology through your Twitter feed and social media stuff. I've seen the green screen pictures and the backgrounds that you guys use. And I know you have a conference coming up. Talk about some of the favorite activities that you guys have implemented in your district so far. Wow, and. The, the conference coming up, I guess I can start with that. Okay. We have done, this is our second year to do an unconference, which is very similar to an ed camp. Um, it's, the unconference doesn't follow the exact rules of ed camp, but it's very similar to, to an ed camp in that teachers come, we open it up to people outside of the district, but the teachers come and they there's no planned agenda, there's no planned schedule. When they get there, they just, we, we do it digitally. They post on a dot storming board digitally what they want to learn about that day. And then we have people go and like all of the things that they are interested in learning about as well. And then they can make comments underneath if they would be willing to facilitate a breakout session. And then we just break out into these sessions based on what they want to learn about. And it's just an awesome time of conversation, collaboration, and sharing. So that unconference is in our district January the 26th. It's a Saturday from 8 to 12. And um, if you follow our Twitter feed, it's humbleisd underscore dl. We've got the registration link for that. So anyone that's in our area could, could register and come to that and join us. But um, as far as our digital learning, Department, some of the PDs we do, we usually do a digital conference in the summer just for our school district, and we do lots of cool things. We, of course, have just regular sessions where teachers go and they, they learn about different digital tools and how to integrate them into their content. But we also do some other things like student showcases and teacher showcases. And then this past summer, we gamified the whole conference to where we had these different stations set up in the main area where the conference was so that teachers could go by each of the stations during their, their break between sessions and complete challenges that were content related and related to a 21st century skill. And they also used either a digital tool or some other hands-on manipulative like a Lego or, or something like that. Yeah. So, um, we kind of gamified it. We had a brain break station where they could uh, play an arcade game, a retro 80s arcade game. If they just wanted to brain break, we had the big green screen set up where people could come and take pictures with a lot of background photos we had going on. And just a lot of, oh, we had a Lego wall. That, so after every session, each participant got one Lego, and then they were encouraged to go put it on the Lego wall. Oh, well, that's so cool. At the end of the, the conference, we had this mural a lego mural of just just this little creative lego mural from all of our participants so yeah just some different things like that yeah that's super cool i love that lego wall and then the gamification i know that's like a huge deal i've got a buddy out in wyoming who's a teacher and he uses that extensively in his classroom and even just school-wide as a whole and yeah i love the gamification concept as well 
yeah, that's such a, a big appeal to the kids because they're, they're so motivated by, by games. And I think there's a lot of research with that because they get that immediate feedback. Yep. And there's also this reward associated with it. It's like dangling that carrot in front of them the whole time. And even when they mess up, what's so beautiful about the gamification, when they mess up, they still want to keep trying. So they're learning grit, which is a really great, great thing to have, um, just to persevere and, and keep going. Yep. And so that's one of those skills that, you know, the kids need. They need practice with. They need exposure to and an opportunity to, to gain. For sure. For sure. And so I'm huge on relationships and the fact that I have to have a personal connection with my kids so that I can best serve them as an educator. How can technology help me to forge and to strengthen those relationships? You need to have conversations with your kids. Um, you need to talk to them. I think a lot of times it's easy for teachers just kind of getting through the curriculum and feeling like, oh, I've got to get through this material. I've got to cover this material that they lose sight of the names of those students, the faces of those students in the class. So they have to become people to them. And they, the only way that'll happen is if they actually have conversations. So obviously getting to know them through finding out what they're interested in, um, having conversations about, you know, what they're passionate about, I think helps. And technology really affords us a lot of ways to get that information in an in easy way. So you can do things, you know, with Google Forms, you can do an interest survey at the beginning of the year and find out a lot of things about your students just from that. So then that's a, a digital way of collecting it. Then, of course, Flipgrid is an amazing free tool um, out there right now that you know, just everybody's using, but there's so many ways to use it. But having the kids record themselves in the safe environment and just talking about whatever it is that you want to learn about them or what you want them to show that they know through Flipgrid, and then being able to comment back to the student through video. Uh, the same way with screencasting, you know, giving feedback to kids on their work using video and audio versus just typing or handwriting in red ink on a piece of paper, um, all these different things that students need to correct or fix. Just really being intentional Yep. about giving them personal and timely feedback and just and just knowing who they are and what they're about. Yeah, so true. And doing it in a way that's relevant to their lives, right? Because everything's mm -hmm. te technology right now, you know? Everything's, you know, they're on their cell phones constantly. And so are there ways, like you're talking about, with the Flipgrid, with the, with the video feedback, that we can provide them those tools and that feedback right there in the palm of their hand, as opposed to the red ink on the paper that we had when we were kids, right? Like, I just think that, that's spot on, spot on. And so you talked about Twitter a little bit earlier, and I'm a huge advocate of Twitter from an educator's perspective, because like you said, there's so many tools and resources and just rock star educators that are available out there that you can learn from. Share a few of your favorite people that you follow and why it's important for educators to be connected on Twitter. Okay, I'll start with why it's important, I think. Um, I believe, um, I, this is not a statistic, this is just according to Elizabeth King, I believe that Twitter is, educators are one of the biggest users of Twitter uh, right now. I've, I've, they're all over it. So when you have that many from one field, one profession, 
using one platform, there are so many resources to be had. And what's so beautiful about Twitter is that it's, you're not reading this full long blog or a novel or a book. You're just seeing these little snippets that people post with pictures or links to videos or things like that. And from that real quick little tweet, you can decide, is this something that I want to know more about or not? So you can kind of take it or leave it. There's just lots of options to sit through. And it's all right there at your fingertips. And it's on your phone. It's, it's wherever you want to go. So I think it's just an amazing resource. It's probably the one I might go to more than anything else. Sure. People that I follow, um, if people are going to get started doing uh, following anyone on Twitter, it's better just to follow someone that they know about already that's doing something they're interested in. So if educational technology is, is your interest, just start by following one person that you know that's really doing amazing things with that. And then see who they follow. And then check their their Twitter accounts out and follow them if they seem like someone that you would be interested in, in following. Um, there are some really great big names in educational technology on Twitter. Matt Miller from Ditch.Textbook, Textbook, Casey Bell, Shake Up Learning, Alice Keeler. She's a Google guru, and she's a math person, which is always a challenge in and of itself to use tech with math. Amy Mayer from Fry Technology. She's also another Google guru. She's amazing, and she's a friend of our district. We love her. Richard Byrne, Free Tech for Teachers, um, The Cult of Pedagogy. Catlin Tucker, the Edutech guys, love them. They have a podcast, too, and they're on Twitter. Edutopia, Todd Nesloni, he's Tech Ninja Todd. Dave Burgess, he's the Teach Like a Pirate guy. And then um, Steve Zimbo is another guy that presents at a lot of conferences on tech around the country, and he also came out and did some stuff with us this past summer. He's awesome. And, of course, PC Rocks. <laughs> I can't forget PC Rocks. See, there you go. And I'm not I mean, as I'm not as technology if, heavy as a lot of those people that you mentioned right there. But right, if you're not following PC Rocks, then you're nobody. <laughs> See, well, there you go. And so, what about your Twitter handle? How can people connect with you on Twitter? My Twitter is real simple. It's Elizabeth King eighty eight. Very cool. And our humble digital learning I mentioned earlier is humble ISD underscore DL, DL for digital learning. Got it. That's so cool, man. And so Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time and for joining us here today and for everything that you are doing for the world of education, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Guys, you've been listening to the Green Room Podcast Series. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would do me a huge favor, if you would rate it, subscribe to it, and then share it with a fellow educator that you think might enjoy it as well. Chase your dreams, kids. Thank you.